I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me and I will never reject them. come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. This is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all of those he has given me. That I should raise them up at the last day. It is my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. second week in our series titled I am now this week we have something actually tied to the I am so if you were with us last week you'll understand what I am stands for meaning Jesus referring to himself as God himself and how groundbreaking that was in that society and if we truly believe it today it's equally as groundbreaking for us as well and it is a proclamation of who Jesus not only is, but will be and has been all at the same time. So today, I am the bread of life. Seems like such a weird statement. And possibly it was just as equally as weird at the time that Jesus said it as it is today. But it truly addresses what is vital. What is vital? For our physical health, food is extremely vital. We can't go too many days without food. I went quite a few days this week without food because of my condition, but it's not something that you want to do on a regular basis, right? Going without food is not something that we would consider as unvital, if you will. So we're obviously just listening to the passage where Jesus reveals this statement. So, why was it that he said it in the first place? Now, if you turn with us in the book of John, chapter 6, and you go all the way to the very first verse, you see that Jesus, in this passage, fed quite a few people. 
It says at the top of chapter 6 that he fed 5,000. Now, that, of course, was just men. That didn't include the kids or the wives that were with them. That was just the men. So Jesus fed quite a few people. And then after he fed those thousands of people, he went off. He kind of disappeared. And his disciples went off across the lake, and they set up camp across the lake. And Jesus, you know, about middle of the night, walks across to them on water and appears to them and goes with them to set up camp. And then we come to our passage. And today, I'm just going to kind of go through a couple of verses at a time and unpack this, this whole passage that led to his statement, I am the bread of life. Because in order for us to really find the depth of it, we need to understand where this comes from. And so Jesus just gets done doing all this crazy feeding of people. I can't even imagine how long that had to have taken to break all that bread and pass it out to the people. Like, that's, that's unbelievable. And then they come to him after they figure out that, well, they're gone. What happened to them? And they go off and they run to find him. And Jesus reveals their true desire right away in our passage today. So let's just pick this up in verse 26. So after feeding all these people, and they came across and found where he was, Jesus said to them in verse 26, Truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. So right away in this passage, Jesus is like, you're coming for me for the wrong reasons, yo. (laughs) You're coming because I fed you. That's the only reason you came chasing after me, because I sat there and I taught you all this time, and then I fed you, and I disappeared, and you were wanting more food. He revealed their hearts, because, of course, Jesus is God, and he knows what they're thinking. And so you're just coming for more food in your belly. <laughs> and then verse 28, we continue reading. Well, okay. What? <laughs> what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. We'll just stop there again. Just believe. So they seemed... They seem to understand what Jesus was saying. They're like, okay, you got us. <laughs> you, you, you figured out what was going on inside. We admit. We came for you. We, we chased you down because we wanted more food. You gave us a little bit of food in our belly. We wanted more. What, what's this going to cost us? What, what's it going to cost for me to get more food? And Jesus simply replied, you believe. There, there's, there, there's no requirement for the food that I'm going to give you. You believe. And they're like, this is, this is 
nothing we've experienced before. Like, we just believe. Jesus is so patient, baby. So then in verse 30, what sign then are you going to do so we may believe and see see and believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, all right. So Jesus, you got us. We came to you for the wrong reasons. What's it going to cost for us to get more of this bread? All right. We're willing to pay. What's it going to cost? You don't have to pay anything. I'm just going to give it to you. I gave it to you free for the first time. There was no, you know, hook here. I just gave it to you. And I'm going to give it to you again. All right, all right. You must be a prophet then. I mean, if you're just going to give all these people constantly, you, you must have some powers that we're not aware of. So prove to us that you're a prophet. Because they weren't stupid, right? They knew their Old Testament. They knew their Bible. They knew that in order for a prophet to be proven, there needed to be some sign. What's the proof? Our our hero, one of our heroes anyhow, Moses, he, he gave us manna in heaven. Listen to how Jesus replied to that. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. Can you just imagine what they're thinking? What are you talking about? Right? He didn't give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Start switching it here, right? He, he, he's, he told them exactly what he was going to say. And now he builds up to it, where he really punches them right between the eyes with truth. So their final question and their final interaction, if you will, revealed that they, they weren't getting it. Moses didn't give them manna from heaven in the first place. It was God, right? Was Moses out there handing out manna every morning? Absolutely not. It was God who was giving them the manna. And Jesus was like, Moses had nothing to do with it. God just spoke through him. That's all. Moses didn't even want to do it. Remember, people, do you really know your, your Old Testament here? Like, you know what you want to know of it. You put your heroes up on this pedestal and you make them into something they were not. Moses was just a man that God used. He was nothing special. He ran from God. He did everything possible to not be the spokesman for God. But God's like, no, I'm going to use you. Shut up. God used him. There's only one who gives you bread. God gave you the sustenance that they needed. And he gave you what you needed. Come on. It was God. Not some person. Get it right. 
God wants to give you more than sustenance. He wants to give you life, right? That's where he transition is. It, the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, right? He already said that don't work for food that perishes, but for food that lasts for eternal life in verse 27. Now he says it again. God is giving you one that comes down from heaven. And he gives life to the world. Like there's just a repeating theme going on here. What are you hungering after? You keep coming for me for things in this world, for sustenance, for, for success. I come to give you true life. I come to give you true life. And they still just weren't getting it. As verse 34 reveals it again. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. They just told the world. Oh, Philip. I mean, as far as left field can be left field, they were, they were out in fall territory, gone. They didn't get it. And so Jesus is like, all right, here we go. One more time. I'm going to expand it. And I'm going to give it to you heavy and hard. I am the bread of life. Then he expands. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. He just adds some more to it, right? But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. You still are wanting things of this world. I'm telling you, I'm giving you true life. I'm giving you eternal life. Not things of this world that just get you by from day to day. I'm giving you eternal life. I'm giving you what matters for spiritual impact. More than just this temporal thing. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose no one of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. They wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. They kept thinking it was for this temporal earthly, natural life that, that he was talking about. I'm going to give you bread of life. Oh, please, give us this every day, just like Moses did. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about this life. What you see, what you feel, what you hear. No, no, I'm, I'm giving you your spiritual life. I've come to give you true life, abundant life, hope joy, something to look forward to in eternity with me. And all you have to do, as he said in verse 29 and then in verse 40, you just have to believe me. Just have to believe. Do you believe me? Do you believe? This passage has led me to think a few things. And the first one is, what do I crave more? Right, so often, 
it's easy to look at a passage like this and say, man, those people just missed it. And we don't relate, right? Because they're talking about, you know, I mean, Jesus feeding 5,000 and all the kids that were with him and adults as well. It's like, it's, it's hard to relate. But if we were really honest and we would try to somehow translate that to our lives and think about it, I would, I would look a lot like the Israelites did in the desert when they were wandering around complaining and asking God for everything under the sun. I'd be more like them, and I'd be more like the people Jesus was referring to. You just are coming for me for things in this world, right? I look a lot like that. So let's follow this transaction between Jesus and these people and, and try to put ourselves in that scenario. So Jesus provided for them. And so they came for him for more food. Now, we know that Jesus isn't against us asking for things, right? Jesus himself said, when you pray, pray like this. And what did he say? One of them, pray for your daily bread. It's, it's okay to ask for your needs. It's one of the ways that we come to God. We pray to God through praise, through thanks, through admission of sins. We do all of these different ways of talking to God, but we also ask. We ask through requests. It's not bad. However, that is not the main way we are to come to God. We are to come to God to desire Him more than what He can do for us. We are to desire him more than what he can do for us. Brother Young put it this way, and I've quoted this many times, but it's so powerful. Do not be satisfied with God's calling or his gifts in your life. Be satisfied with Jesus Christ himself. Right? Do not be satisfied with what God can do for you or what he can give you or the wisdom or the power, like all those things are, are, those are absolutely good things to desire or to ask for. But that, not, that should not be our primary desire from God. Our primary desire from God is to just be with him. His presence. His presence. Period. And that's exactly what these Israelites were, were, were so confused about, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It transcends the whole Bible. God's people are very stuck in this. <laughs> what can God do for me versus just I love being with God. Desire him more than what he can do for us. And then secondly, what I ask myself is, do I feel like I have to earn God's provision? Or do I have to 
earn God's favor. Right? These people, for some reason, thought, you know, all right, well, you gave to us freely before. Now, what do we have to earn, right? They asked Jesus this. What do we have to do to to earn God's favor, to earn God's provision? And we believe this lie. If if I'm good enough, if I do enough good, if I give to church, if I attend church enough, if I read my Bible enough, then God will. Or something bad happens and it's because I didn't do something right. We have this, this belief that God is somehow, I don't know, like demanding us to live a certain way in order to receive his provisions or his favor or his blessings or whatever you want to call it. We don't deserve a thing. We are sinners. God sees you and he sees me the same. We are falling short. But because of Jesus, we are made right with God. And our response from that is to desire to be in his presence. And when we're in his presence, we have a desire to be like him. That's how our relationship with God is. Not how many things can I do right for God today. Oh, I messed up on that. Oh, shoot. No wonder why my car broke down. Like, that's not it. That's not, that's not the God I read in the Bible. God corrects people when their hearts are wrong. Right? When you say, I tried hard enough. That's all that matters. God's like, What? What, that's all that matters? No. No. What matters is you want to be with me. That's what matters. Stop stop playing around in this world and getting your joys from this world. Get your joys from me. That's where pleasure comes from. That's where joy comes from. That's where hope comes from. That's where the fruit of the Spirit comes from. You can't get the fruit of the Spirit from anywhere but Jesus himself. So if you want love, if you want hope, if you want joy, if you want peace, if you want patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, self-control, if you want all those things, don't try harder. It's not a fruit of yourself. It's not a fruit of of the self-help workbook somewhere. I don't know, a study that you did somewhere. It comes from Jesus' Holy Spirit himself. Run to the source. And from there, your sanctification, you becoming more like Jesus is found. Not from yourself. You trying harder, but you're saying, Jesus asked me to be more patient. I'm going to be more patient today. Good luck with that. <laughs> I mean, maybe for you it works. has never worked for me. I've still got a few more years to practice, but... I'm not going to try no more. Because I found that being in the presence of Jesus is where I find my patience. Because with him, all those characteristics are. With me, none of those characteristics are. So I need to be with him a little bit more. So he rubs off on me. And then, 
my spirit becomes more like his the closer I get to his. And I become more like him. All Jesus asks is that we come to him and believe. Come. Believe. Come. And believe. And that just simply begins with that sinner's prayer, right? That's, that's, that's the foundation for every person listening. That's where it all begins. To come to him simply means that, A, I need to ask him for forgiveness for my sins. And whether you've never done that, you need to do that for the first time and get yourself right with God, or you've done it a million times, we come to him constantly and say, God, I come to you, I make mistakes. I admit, I'm a failure. I need forgiveness. And he instantly does it every time. Every time we fail, he forgives. Every time you fail, he forgives. Every time. And then believe. What does it mean to just simply come to him and believe? Believe who he is. We claim to be. That he is God. That he came to earth as fully God in fully human form. That he lived a perfect life like he said he did. That he fulfilled everything the scriptures said leading up to his point of coming to earth. That it predicted he would come. That he would live that way. He did it and he died a perfect life. He died a life that substituted himself in place of us. That when he died on the cross, he took our sins upon himself. That he died, but that he didn't stay dead. That he rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he conquered that sin. That he took on the cross, and he broke it. That power it had over you, it's broken now. That's what believing is. Believing that when you believe that, that you walked into that place where now you are walking with him. That's what believing is means. When it says, come to me and believe, that's what that is. And then lastly, committing yourself to living for him. That's what coming and believing means. Giving yourself fully to God. So every day we have two decisions to make. Two. decisions to make. The first one. Like we said in the beginning, are we going to put God first or things in this world first? That's what, that's what, the, that's what these people who got fed, that's what they came with. They were putting things in this world first. They weren't coming to Jesus because they wanted to be with him. They just wanted their needs met. And so every day we have to ask that same thing. Am I, am I just coming to God because I, I need him again? <laughs> hey, God, it's me again. Um, I, I need a little bit of patience today. Can you help me? Hey, God, um, I really am sick and tired of that person at school. Can you, like, send them somewhere else and I don't have to deal with them ever again? 
Um, God, could you have my boss fired today? I'm done with him too. Like, I mean, of course we don't knock and do that weird stuff, but like that's our, that's our relationship with God. God, I'm sick. Can you, can you help me feel better? Like, of course God wants to help you feel better, but he wants way more than to just be your genie in a bottle. He wants to be intimate with you. He wants to love you. So he will take care of you, right? That's what he does for his children. We don't have to necessarily ask, but we have to desire him. So that's the first question that we have to answer every day. Will I put God first or things in this world? And then the second thing that we need to ask is this question of, am I going to trust God to provide or am I going to take care of it myself? Am I trust God to provide? Or am I going to trust in myself? That's a hard one to answer, isn't it? Because for me, I like to work hard. Right? I like to prove myself that I, I did this. That I got that A. That I got that promotion. That I deserve the pat on the back. I'm the best. But God isn't so worried about you being glorified. He's worried about himself being glorified. We aren't his doormat. We are one of his prized utensils that he loves to use. He takes great pride in using. We're his, his most valuable instrument in his orchestra, right? That finest piece of software that everybody's wanting in their gaming system. Whatever it is, he's that, that, that best piece of wood. That everybody wants. That's you. I love how Jim Elliot put it. He says, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain. To gain that which he cannot lose. You cannot lose the amazing presence of God in your life if you're running after Keep running after him. Keep running after him. As the worship team comes up, that's, that's my encouragement for you today to run after Jesus. Run for his presence. Run for his word. Run for time in relationship with him. There is nothing more valuable for you. Answer those questions. Answer those questions come to him love him more than anything in this world and trust him to provide not in yourself 
Would you stand as we close in prayer and worship? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this amazing time that we've had to come and hear your word and receive what you have for us today. God, you are the bread of life. There is nothing in this world that can compare to you. Father, yes, there are things in this world that we need for sustenance, God. We cannot live without heat. We cannot live without food. We cannot live without water. We need those things. We need air. We need relationships. But Father, we, we absolutely need more than anything else is your love poured out into our hearts and our minds. We need you. And you desire us more than anything else in this world. You desire us to love you as well. So God, we give it to you now. We pour out to you our love. Thank you for receiving it in Jesus' name.